welcome to Rooted, where we discuss what we believe and why we believe it. On today's episode, we talk about heaven and who gets to go there and why they get to go there. Make sure to follow us on social to be a part of the discussion at at HBC Encounter. And if you have any suggestions for topics we should talk about on future episodes, make sure to message us there. All right, without further ado, this is Rooted. Welcome back. Rooted episode eight. Say hello, Connor. Hello, Connor. Oh, you switched it up. You didn't say hi, Connor. You said hello. That's true. So you're putting that on me. Yep. All right. Fair enough. Today we're talking about, not sure how I'm going to title this yet, but we're talking about heaven, essentially. And who goes to heaven? How do you get there? Are we universalists? Are we not universalists? What does it all mean, Connor? Do you know? Not all of it. Oh, well... This is going to be a fun episode then. So let's just start off, right? This is TikTok theology. And when we're talking about TikTok theology, I think the buzzword that gets thrown around a lot is progressive Christianity, right? There's a lot of people who describe themselves as progressive Christians, not progresso Christians like the soup, but progressive Christians. So Connor, in your experience on TikTok, on YouTube, maybe even in person, if you know some of these people, Progressive Christians, what do they believe about heaven, who goes there, how they get there? Of course, we're going to dig into all these a little bit deeper, but what's just like the first thing that comes to mind when you think progressive Christian and heaven? Uh, so like the first thing that comes to my mind is that they believe that all people go to heaven. Okay. Uh, and the, the reason why they believe it is that because Christ died for all people. Mm. So one would assume that, well, if he died for all people, then all those people that he died for will go to heaven. Okay. Um and they also pull scripture out, such as the verse in First John where it says, God is love, and if God's really loving, then why could he send anybody to eternal conscious punishment, right? Right. So, or even if hell's not eternal conscious pun- punishment, you know, still eternal separation is still mm. much, much worse than heaven. Right. Okay, makes sense. So let's just kind of start at the uh, beginning of this. Um, with, cause we, we kind of hit on this last week, right? When we were talking about sin and judgment, we talked about, you know, we can't erase our own sin, but I don't want to come at this from a perspective of we're just bashing on people who believe something differently than we do, because the truth of it is, and, and Connor, before we start recording, we talked about how I was listening to a sermon from a progressive openly. I mean, they call themselves, we're a progressive church about John 14, six, when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And I listened to that sermon because they were talking about how, you know, everybody goes to heaven and that's not really what Jesus meant, that you can only go to heaven if you believe in him. Um, But while I was listening to it, I kind of tried to put myself in the shoes of somebody who hasn't taken a college level Bible class or who, you know, hasn't had to sit in a room with pastors and talk about what they believe before they get up and preach, right? Because you and I have been in those situations. But it sounds very convincing when someone's making this argument. So the way you started when we were talking about these progressive beliefs is that they believe, some people believe, that God wouldn't send somebody to hell because Jesus died for all sins, right? So did Jesus die for the sin of everybody? And if he did, why doesn't that mean everybody goes to heaven? 
Well, first, I think it's first John. It's one of the Johns. One of the Johns. One of the letters of John. Uh, says that Christ didn't die just for our sins, talking mm-hmm. about Christians, but right. for the sins of the whole world. So he, of course, did die for everyone's sins. Okay. Past, present, future, every everyone. Yeah. So, you know, if if the idea is that, well, Christ died for all sins, and that means that all people should go to heaven, mm. then then where's our responsibility in that? Because like, why do we go to church? Why right. do we give to the poor? Why do we help people in need? Yeah. Right. If if Christ just did everything for us, then where's our responsibility in that? I think the biblical picture is that we have responsibility to one repent and believe, and also have good works after salvation. Right. You know, I'm not saying that good works can make us be saved, but I'm just saying that if you are truly saved, then good works will follow after that. Right. Yeah. I think of. I kind of think of like, like what you're saying, there there is an aspect, not that we are involved in our salvation of we're doing the saving, but, but there is a call on us to participate in that. Um, I think of it in terms of just a situation that happened with me recently. So the college that I attend had a refund for me from the semester where I had given them, there was a, a act from Congress for all this COVID money, right? And I had money that was mine by rights. Okay, this money had been assigned to me. It had been set aside, said this is Seth's money. However, I couldn't actually use that money until I went and accepted it. I had to go into the college system, say how I wanted my refund, right, and click, yes, I accept this money, blah, 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 that whole thing before it went to my bank account. Then I could use that money however I wanted. Mm -hmm. Okay, and remember, all illustrations break down at some point. But in salvation, Christ's blood was shed for all sin, all sins that have ever happened, that are happening, that will happen. God has already done that atoning work. However, we don't get to actually see that both in the present and in eternity until, as Romans says, we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. We have to take that step of accepting the gift, right? That's sort of like maybe if somebody gets you a Christmas gift, They go, they purchase the gift, they wrap it up. You're not having to do anything to receive that gift, but you still have to accept it, right? Right. You have to go through the process of of taking it, taking it home, unwrapping it, and then using it to actually receive that gift. The gift's already been purchased for you. That part's been done, but you have to actually accept the gift. Um, that's why when I think of Ephesians 2, 8, 9, this is kind of one of those verses we always go back to, but you know, salvation is a gift, a free gift from God that we receive through faith. Faith is the acceptance of that gift. It's not that we've done anything to create that gift, to, to be a part of God giving us grace, but we've accepted it. Does that make sense? Am I being heretical yet, Connor? No, I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> I <hope> when, not. <laughs> but like when people say, oh, well, having faith or mm-hmm. repenting is a work. Mm. But Paul says, you know, it's not a result of works that we're saved. Would you consider faith and repentance a good work? I would consider faith. You know, faith, faith is also a gift. Scripture talks about how faith comes from God, right? Faith, faith is not something that, that just comes from, you know, man you know, just deciding one day, oh, I'm going to believe in God, right? We're, we're given signs and wonders that we may believe. 
So in that way, faith is a gift to us as well as grace. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider it, consider it a work in a sense of kind of like we talked about last week, if we're looking at our sin and our work on the scale of judgment, right? We're trying to see which one's going to balance out, which one ends up, which one ends up down. But I would consider it our obligation. And I don't know, maybe that's not a very clear distinction, but it's kind of, it's kind of a both and right. Not that works save us, not that faith is a saving work, but faith is our obligation in this, right? Mm -hmm. It's that accepting of the gift. And, and kind of going back to that illustration of acceptance is if faith is accepting the gift, you haven't done anything as much as you have just allowed someone to do something for you, right? Right. Like if you, if you hire a plumber and a plumber comes to your house and you don't allow him to do his job, well, yeah, your toilet's going to stay broken, Right. If you allow him to do his job, you haven't helped in the fixing of the problem, but you have allowed someone else to do it. But if you don't allow them, it's it's never going to happen, right? So my faith in Christ is not me helping the salvation process. It's not a work. My repentance is not a work in the salvation process, but it's allowing something that's already been done for me to come to completion. Okay. Yeah. Does that kind of answer that question? Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. Okay. So so kind of going on with this idea. So we talked about Christ's blood covers all sins. We have to take part in accepting that, though. Okay, now the argument comes up, and to go back to this John 14, 6 verse, where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So we could just take that verse at face value and say, okay, well, Jesus is the only way to the Father the Father is in heaven, so Jesus is the only way to get to heaven. You and I don't have a problem believing that. No. Some people do. Some people will argue and say, you know, Christ died for everybody. Okay, we have to accept that gift. But maybe there's multiple ways to accept that gift. Maybe, you know, Buddhists can also accept that gift and, and still practice Buddhism or, or you know, Islamists, you know, they believe in God. They even say they believe in the same God that we do. So why don't they get to go to heaven? What is it about believing in Jesus specifically that is so much better than all these other things? Well, it's that, first of all, every religion in some way, shape, or form is exclusive. You know, mm, people yeah. make this big deal that, oh, Christianity is the only exclusive religion. You know, right. they're the only one that marginalizes people, which we shouldn't be doing that, but we're all, we're the only one that separates people into categories, Yeah. right? Like we don't, people say, oh, the Muslims don't do that. The Buddhists don't do that. The Hindus don't do that. They do. They do. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the reason why that Muslims do it all the time, like, in fact, it's a proselytizing religion, which right. means they're trying to get unbelievers to become a part of their community, their right. religious faith community, uh, much like we are. Um, now we go about it different ways, but still in some sense, there's an us versus them mentality. Yeah. And versus doesn't necessarily mean a conflict, but it is a separation. Right. You know, there's a distinction between us. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so when I was listening to that sermon that I, that I referenced earlier, the pastor got up, and began his sermon by saying, you know, these are conflicts or things that people bring up when we try to preach. A, and this is an exact quote. He said, 
a more generous, inclusive, and expansive faith. Connor, would you say that preaching that Jesus is the only way to Jesus, or, or I'm sorry, Jesus is the only way to the Father, would you say that preaching that is not generous, not inclusive, or not expansive? I mean, you can take that verse and make it mean that. Yeah. But at the same time, you have to look at other passages of the Bible, such as Revelation, where it seems like all of God's kingdom is made up of people from every tribe, yeah. every nation, every yeah. tongue. There's people from every group of people that are going to be saved and a part of God's kingdom. Right. So, yes, the, the exclusiveness of it is through Jesus. Mm. But in the same time, it's very inclusive in that we're not making any boundaries between any groups of people. Yeah. Because all groups of people, people from every group will be saved. Right. Um, and they do that by having faith. Yeah. I think, I think one place where a lot of people get hung up, because like you said, you know, it's every nation, every tribe, every tongue. I think a lot of people get hung up on the social justice issues because I'll say, you know, in this message, this pastor was talking through um, historically how Christians have not chosen love. And he brought up a ton of social justice issues that I think we would probably look back on now and say, yeah, we were on the wrong side of that. Right. Or we would say that people who identified as Christians were on the wrong side of that. But I think what's important to understand is that the truth of the gospel, and I'm not saying all Christians represent this perfectly. I don't represent this perfectly all the time. The truth of the gospel is, though, that it doesn't matter what your sin is. It doesn't matter what it looks like, right? So I'm a sinner, and I could sit here and I could list through all my sins. We talked about last week, you know, everybody has lied or stolen something or cheated on a test or broken the speed limit, all those sorts of things. In God's eyes, sin is sin. So whether your sin looks like you're a compulsive liar or you practice homosexuality or you have cheated on your girlfriend or you're a serial killer, right? And I know that sounds like a very extreme place to go, but the reality is sin is sin. And the truth about the gospel is it doesn't matter what your sin is, what that looks like. You are not excluded from the opportunity to take part in redemption, right? Now, right. on the other side of salvation, there should be an outer working that is a, that is a reflection of the inner working that God has done inside you, right? Yeah. The outside should begin to look made new like God is doing on the inside. However, I think there's kind of this almost propaganda that gets reported about Christianity and especially what is now being deemed conservative, quote unquote, Christianity, not that it has anything to do with politics, not conservative in that respect, but conservative in maintaining traditional Christian values and beliefs, you know, orthodoxy almost, mm -hmm. that we believe that if you are sinning in a certain type of way, you are outside of the grace of God. But that's not true at all. God's kingdom is going to be full of people who have done small things, big things, unspeakable things, common things that we all do. It's going to look diverse. It's going to look, some people are going to, I love this quote. When we get to heaven, we're going to be surprised by who we do see. And we're going to be surprised by who we don't see. Yeah. Right. And, and some of us might be surprised that we actually made it there. Right. Yeah. But, but it's that idea of, I, I think the reason that People want to say that Christianity is exclusive, and it is exclusive to those who don't believe, 
but they try and say that in a way of saying, oh, if you're not a, if you're not a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant male who's grown up in church, you don't get to go to heaven. Mm-hmm. I think people try and project that on us sometimes. Of course, that's easy to say as a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant male. Right. But I think the reason that gets projected is because when you hear something as exclusive as I am the way, the truth, and the life, it sounds like we're shutting people out. But in reality, the truth about God's grace, and Connor, I'll kind of let you expound on this, is that he has offered it to everyone, and that is incredibly inclusive. That God's grace is not just for the Christian who's grown up in church or the Christian who has turned his life around or, or anything like that. Where, how, do, how do you explain that to somebody about how the gospel really is inclusive outside of just, sure, for any skin color, but but not just to the Southern Baptist, but also potentially to the Methodist or the Presbyterian? Yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful thing. And for some people, it's really frustrating. Yeah. Like, for example, there's always this question when we talk about salvation and who it's offered to. Everyone, right? Right. Someone will undoubtedly say, okay, well, do you really believe that somebody like Hitler had the opportunity to be saved? Yeah. And, you know, with what we believe, we say, yeah, you know, Christ right. died for all people. If he truly repented after what he did to the Jews, yeah, then yeah, I think he would be saved. Then they say the line, well, if Hitler's in heaven, that's not where I want to be. Yeah. What, like, what do you do with that? I mean, it's <laughs> like, because on the one hand, it's like we can look at human beings and think, wow, they've done such terrible mm-hmm. things. You know, how did they get there? Yeah. You know, and if they're there, then why should I try? Why should I strive? Right. You know? So, like, what what do you what would you say to somebody that brought yeah. up that point? I mean, it's funny how a lot of this conversation falls back on, and that's why if you if you've made it this far into this episode and haven't listened to the episode before, it definitely make sure you do that because this is a big conversation that happens outside of just these twenty to twenty five minutes, but. A lot of this falls back on what you believe about scripture and what you believe about God and what you believe about sin. Um, This same church that I keep referencing, this has kind of been my point of reference for this conversation. And I'll, I'll link the message down below. I would just encourage you to, if you watch it, watch it with a discerning heart. um, And remember that just because somebody says they're a church and a Christian doesn't mean they're preaching truth. Um, and I would say that about us too. Anytime you listen to this podcast or you check out any of our other resources, do it with a discerning heart, test it against God's word and what it says. But this same church would tell you that God's word's not inspired, um, that God doesn't hate you for your sin, which I don't think God hates us, but he definitely hates sin. Um, they would probably tell you that God doesn't hate sin, that, you know, and all these other things that they I don't know that this church in particular would teach this, but there's definitely churches that call themselves progressive that would say Jesus sinned and and all these things. And so there's a very distorted view of the foundation of the faith. So if our foundation is not built on God's word and what it teaches about sin and salvation and about who Jesus is, then yeah, we're going to struggle with the conversation about heaven. Because if we don't understand that all sin is equal in God's eyes— in that we are all sinners, even if we've committed different sins, then it is going to be incredibly frustrating for us as humans to be okay with the fact that I can go to heaven, 
and so can Hitler, right? Or I can go to heaven and so can my neighbor down the street who stole money from me. I can go to heaven and so can the drunk driver, right, who killed somebody close to me. God offers the same grace to both of us. Um, and, and let's go with that example for a second. I knew from years and years and years ago, I knew a couple who, who had a daughter who was elementary school age who was getting off the bus one day and who was killed by a drunk driver. And instead of that couple, of course, they were an older Christian couple, awesome people in the faith. Instead of them hating him and trying to sue him for all he was worth, and he did go to jail, obviously. But instead of them being controlled by their hate for him, they went and visited him every week in prison. They went and sat with him, shared the gospel with him. They forgave him. And I can't fathom, of course, I'm not a parent, but I can't fathom how much Holy Spirit that took to do. I mean, that's just, that's something you don't hear about. But that's the truth of the gospel is that they understood that in God's eyes, they were just as condemnable as that junk driver was. And so they understood that they didn't deserve to be in heaven just as much as he didn't. But God offered the same grace to both of them. That is the incredible part about the gospel to me. And to me, that's why I almost get offended when somebody says I'm preaching a gospel that is not expansive enough or a gospel that is not generous enough. Generous isn't even a good enough word for this gospel. It is gracious, right? God just doesn't just give us a little bit more than we need. He gives us far more abundantly than we could ever understand. That's not generosity. That is just true grace and mercy. It's completely undeserved. Completely undeserved. And I think that's what we we have to, you know, that's kind of where you were leading this conversation, but that's where we have to come to the understanding of it. I may have never killed somebody, right? I've never intentionally hurt somebody. I've never stolen a million dollars or or anything like that. But like we talked about last week, I am a sinner. And so Hitler and I, and this is completely contradictory to the way the world thinks, we deserve heaven the same amount and that we don't at all. Our deserve heaven ometer is at zero. But the goodness of God and the the grace and the mercy and the the awesome part about the gospel is that Jesus' blood is enough to fill that meter for us because we could never do it. And that's and and like you were saying, that's very frustrating for some people to hear. And and I understand that. But when we have a right view of God's word and what sin is, we start to understand that, yeah, I don't deserve heaven and neither does anybody else. So who am I to try and keep anybody out of there? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, just a couple quotes come to my mind, like as we talk about how none of us are deserving of it. And ironically, they both come from people who weren't Christians. Yeah. Uh, one of them comes from Gandhi. Mm. saying that, uh, you know, I don't have a problem with your Christ. It's Christians I have a problem with. Uh. And I think many people would agree with that who yeah. are outside the faith. Yeah. Because, you know, we, we don't look, sometimes we don't look anything like our Savior. Right. Or even we don't act the way we should based on the kind of lifestyle we've been called to. And, you know, I think that's completely fair. 
But in the same time, at the same time, there was this atheist philosopher, brilliant person, really. And uh, what he said, this wasn't in response to Gandhi, but I still think it was really brilliant. And I think he hit the nail on the head. Yeah. He said, in truth, there was only one, one Christian and he died on the cross. Yeah. And like, yes, we're, we're Christians, but you know, what he was trying to say is that, you know, if you're expecting Christians to live the way they've been called to a hundred percent of the time, you have the wrong expectation. I mean, they're, they're sinful. They're, they're not perfect. Just like any of the rest of us. Yeah. At least they recognize who was perfect. Mm. And it's because of their acceptance in him that they can go to heaven and that, you know, anybody else can too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's powerful to think about that. And, and that's what it all boils down to is who are we pointing back to? You know, because if, if the gospel was what we make it out to be, then yeah, I could understand why people would be so upset with that and want to, want to change it. Um, I mean, there was literally at one point in this message that I keep referencing back to where he essentially changed. Connor, if I ask you, here we go. This is going to be fun. What does, what does the word eternal mean? No beginning, no end. Okay. So you're speaking of that in terms of time, right? I mean, barely. I mean, like, so, you know, I think time came into existence when the universe, when God said in the beginning, right. He created everything. Yeah. You know, so I don't think time existed. So it's something outside of time though. Yes. That's what, if so, somebody says you have eternal life. What do you think that means? That we're never going to truly die. Right. Because we're going to have life outside of time. Right. right? With God is the context of how it gets used in scripture. So at one point in this message, he takes the word eternal and just changes its meaning to mean a bunch, to Uh. abundant, Uh. not in reference to a length, but in reference to while we're here on earth, eternal life really means we're going to have a good life that's full of things. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So Connor, would you say that's good Bible scholarship? I mean, I think if you looked at John 10, 10, that would be fine, but that's not the passage he was talking about. Right. And John 10, 10 says that I came to give life and give it abundantly. Right. But the, the scripture he was talking about was you know, talking about eternal life. Eternal life. Yeah. Which, yeah. Which, which is no end. No end. Which is funny you bring that up because he tried to draw the parallel there. But we're we're referencing two different things in two different passages. Yeah. Between John ten ten and John fourteen six. Why do I bring that up? Because like you were saying, which Christ are we pointing to? Are we pointing to the one that we've designed in our heads? Or are we pointing to the Christ that Scripture actually talks about? Because the Christ that Scripture actually talks about offers that grace to everybody. And yes, he condemns sin. And yes, Scripture says, don't go on sinning that grace may abound. But the beautiful thing about the gospel, like you said, is that we are sinners who believe in a Christ who loves sinners and who died for sinners and who offers salvation for sinners. Yep. Yeah, I think... I 100% agree with that. Um, what about people who who don't go to heaven, who go to hell? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think they're deserving of it. Right. But so am I. Right. You know, uh, you know, they're just as good as I am. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Rock Collins came and preached two weeks ago or three yeah. weeks ago or something, and he said, 
you know, when people talk to me about the gospel and eternal life and salvation, um, and they say stuff like, oh, well, I'm just as good as you are. Why can't I go to heaven? And he said, well, if you're just as good, good as me, you're going to hell because yeah. <laughs> that's what I deserve. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's where you put your identity, mm-hmm. you know, our identity, identity is in Christ. And as Christians, you know, he, he's worthy. You know, that's all of Revelation 5 is that worthy is the lamb who is, who can open the scroll and yeah. reveal the whatever. I don't know. Right. I, I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> but the whole point is that he's worthy. Right. And because he's worthy, if we put our trust and our hope and our faith in him, then we become worthy. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm reading Jeremiah 2 right now. And it says that um, that God's people, it was Israel or the house of Jacob, had exchanged their God for worthless idols mm. and in turn became worthless themselves. Meaning that we don't have worth in and of ourselves, but it's what we put our hope in, what we put our trust in that gives us worth. You know, it's not as if God was looking down on all of creation and thinking, you know, they they deserve my only son dying right. for them. Right. It's like, that's not it. Because if we deserved it, it wouldn't be grace. Right. But scripture makes it so clear that it's grace, grace, grace. Yeah, exactly. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to leave a rating and follow on your favorite podcast platform so that more people can learn about our show. To be a part of the discussion, make sure to follow us on social at at HBC Encounter. To learn more about the message in the church we referenced in this episode, check out the show notes for a link to the message. All right. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.